Leo is my best teacher. Definitely. You're listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 79 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host, Erin Scott, and thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited for you to meet today's guest, Parnita Sanjit. Growing up in India, Parnita was pretty much terrified of dogs, so you might wonder how she became the award-winning author of a series of children's books based on her therapy dog, Leo. I can't wait to dive into Parnita's story with you today. I know February was Pet Dental Health Month, but we really need to think about our dog's dental health all year round. I recently learned that 80% of our dogs over three years old have active dental or periodontal disease. And dental disease is actually a sign of other inflammation in the body and can be connected to everything from cardiovascular problems, kidney problems, diabetes, certain types of cancers, joint disease. Your dog's dental health actually can affect everything in their body. And you know that I am obsessed with finding the best and healthiest products for our dogs. So I was so excited to find out about teeth. That's right, teeth. Just a tiny spoonful of teeth powder in your dog's water bowl will make a huge improvement in your dog's dental health. It's the only thing that ever made my vet stop and go, hey, what did you do with Penny's teeth? They actually look so much better. So forget trying to figure out how to get your dog's teeth brushed without them biting you. Forget those sticks or green shoes. What you need is teeth powder, just a tiny amount in your dog's water bowl. And listeners of this podcast can save 20% on your teeth order with the code ADM. And you'll be on your way to a healthier smile for your dog without any anesthesia needed. Check out the link in the show notes to find out more about teeth and save 20% on your orders. One of the things I really love about Parnita's story is that it was really her son who wanted a dog, but the whole process ended up completely changing Parnita's life. Parnita is going to share with us about all the research that her family did, and I think she shares some amazing advice for anyone considering bringing a dog into their family, particularly if you already have children. But honestly, these are things that anybody who's thinking about getting a dog should consider. We'll learn about Parnita's travels around the world in connection with her husband's job. And she's actually lived in America two different times, most recently from 2018 to 2020, and actually until March 2020, right before COVID. And so it was while Parnita and her family were living in Austin, Texas in this 2018-2019 time period that Parnita began volunteering for an organization called the Dog Alliance. And it turns out that they also train therapy dogs. And she was like, oh, I wonder if my Leo would make a good therapy dog. And it turns out the answer was yes. 
So Pranita is going to share about Leah's therapy dog training journey and some of the different experiences that they've had being a therapy dog team. And then in 2020, Parnita and her family moved back to the UK. And Leo is actually a dual citizen therapy dog because he had to pass a new test over in the UK to be recertified for work in that country. We'll also learn about how they adapted their therapy dog work during the COVID lockdown and how this whole award-winning children's book series came about. One of the things that really stood out to me in my conversation with Parnita is that right now, her focus isn't on putting out more and more Leo books. So Parnita will share with us why she's actually more concerned with taking the existing Leo books and getting them translated into different languages rather than putting out more books. And this was a real aha awakening moment for me. I'm so grateful to Parnita for everything that she shares with us. I can't wait for you to meet Parnita Sanjit. So we are here today with Parnita Sanjit. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm really excited to dive into your story. Now, I always tell the story on the podcast. I am not somebody who grew up with animals. I didn't even know that I liked dogs until I was 25 years old and was not a dog person or a dog mom or anything like that. And so I'm always curious what other people's experiences have been like. Some people are like the Disney princess where they've been followed by animals their entire life, but you know, definitely not me. <laughs> so what did that look like for you? Are you somebody who grew up around animals? Um, I think my experience is pretty much like you. I would say, um, born and brought up in India, we never had any close counters with animals. And uh, going into the village, it was more cows than anything else. And I was always comfortable with cows, being next to them, feeding them, etc. But back in Bombay, uh, where I was brought up, it was always running away from dogs. And uh, the eyes were always at the dogs on the road. It was, we used to get scared. So it's, it, it's like that peripheral vision, you know, you are like always scared. So what will come? What next will come? Sort of. And uh, yeah, you're just waiting to break that 100 meter world record, you know, the minute you see a dog. So, <laughs> so no, to be honest, I did not have much experience with dogs. So how are dogs viewed in India? As, are they... Are there people who have them as pets or are they more just kind of like feral, for lack of a better word? Um, this is definitely a person dependent because it is um, experience oriented. There are families who had dogs, but most of them were mixed breeds and uh, adopted. So a few families had German Shepherd, which we call it as Alsatian in India. And uh, they were clearly uh, guard dogs, mostly found in the early 1900s uh, by the rich and uh, royal families. Oh, okay. So, yeah, then there were Dobermen. You know, many had Dobermen as well. And then the most prominent breed was Pominarian. I think that was largely due to the UK heritage in India. So the breed uh, was first seen in the UK in 1870 and it became a great favorite of Queen Victoria. 
And I think that's how it became popular in India as well. But having said that, a large amount of Indian population is scared of dogs because of strays and the risk of getting bitten, uh, which when growing up resulted in, I think, 12 injections in your stomach. Oh, for rabies? Um, yeah, for rabies, to counter <laughs> rabies or any other infection. And I think this itself was a deterrent for many people to go close to the dog or uh, even if it's a pet. So I think that's, that's the big culture difference that was there. But having said that, a lot has changed now, um, but some thought process still remains. So did you yourself ever have like a bad experience or it was just like run? (laughs) (laughs) Well, for myself, fortunately, I never had a bad experience, but my uncle got bitten when he was very young. And uh, because he did not take injections uh, immediately, uh, it did affect his uh, health big time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, definitely I saw that. In a, in a how his health, health got affected. So, uh, yeah, fortunately, I never got bitten, but it was always run away from. Yeah, it was a, definitely like a fear in your life then. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so how did you end up in the UK? Um, I think my husband's job, thanks to his job. Uh, we have been roaming around quite a lot. So we were in the US for almost uh, close to four and a half years before uh, we came to the UK. So, oh, okay. yeah, so we were in the US, then we went to India, then we came to the UK. And then again, we were in Austin for a couple of years and now back in UK. So, yeah, it's because of the job that we keep traveling. So when you first moved to the US and you start seeing people have you know dogs walking down the street, was that something that stood out to you? Uh, Well, it was nice to see how people over there, you know, the kind of relation they had with the dog and how comfortable they were. But at that point of time, I think somewhere the fear somewhere deep down was still there. So I kind of didn't take it so seriously, the thought process or didn't kind of give it much thought of, oh, wow, or something. It was just, that's nice. But I would like to leave it, you know, as it is. Sort of. That's nice for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Didn't go further. Didn't go beyond that. Yeah. And so here we are today talking about your work with your therapy dog, Leo. You've now written books for children about dogs. Tell us how all this came about. How did you decide to, to get a dog and how did Leo come into your life? It's a beautiful question because... When uh, you say that, the first thought that came in my mind is that, uh, you know, Leo didn't come in our life, we came in Leo's life. That's how I look at it. I think he chose us rather than we choosing him, sort of. So um, Leo was one of the seven in the litter uh, when we went to see the puppies. And the first thing we saw was his father. And his name was Kubi. Uh, amazing dog he was a brown labrador and just the first sight of it such a beautiful temperament he was outside you know uh, freely walking around on the farm 
And he just came, said hello, sort of, you know, wagging his tail. And I liked it. I said, this is such a sweet boy. And and then I started thinking, if he's like this, I'm sure the litter would be amazing. So, yeah, we went to see the litter. And uh, our sweet little Leo, he just came and sat on my son's lap. And he went to sleep, interestingly. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so then that's where we thought, yes, Leo is our boy. So, yeah. (laughs) And so it was your son who was, I like to use this word campaigning, because I remember there was a point in my childhood where I really did have like this campaign to get a dog going. And I think I even had like poster boards of like how this would be like a great addition to the family <laughs> and like all the things I would do. So was it really your son who who really was beating the drum to, to get the dog? Um, he was. Uh, but I think uh, it took four years from that promise to execution because we promised him when he was around um, 11 and uh, then it was uh, he passed his exam he did well and it was like we had told him that we'll get you we'll think of getting you a puppy and he was like where is a puppy? <laughs> but uh, interestingly, I thought that we both, me and my husband, we thought this is not how a puppy should come home because by the end of it, we want our son to understand what it takes, the commitment, the responsibility, the knowledge, the understanding, because none of us had that background as well. So it was hard to kind of just uh, teach him uh, and for ourselves also. So um, it took time. So as I said, from promise to execution, it took four years. And, uh, and in the meantime, uh, we were constantly moving as well. So we were in rental apartments. So we couldn't uh, rental house. So we couldn't kind of get the pet. But finally, uh, we had a gem of a landlord who changed the flooring of the house from a carpet to laminate so that, you know, we can get a dog. Uh, for our son so bless his kind soul that was beautiful but having said that yes the search was exhaustive and we gathered as much information as possible to understand which breed will be right for us you know for our kind of commitment and lifestyle and temperament and everything so we found this breeder she was also very patient with us but at the same time she was very strict she wanted to understand everything about us before deciding that she's going to give the puppy to us. And uh, voila, we passed her test. And uh, yeah, so yeah, that's how Leo came into our lives. It wasn't and definitely not an, even though it was a promise, but it was not an impulsive decision. There was a thorough uh, information that we gathered before we got Leo. I think that that's such an important lesson to all of us. And I would imagine that people listening to this podcast are probably more on this end of the spectrum, right? The people who are doing the research want to make sure that they're getting the good match for their family, you know, in temperament, in breed, you know, lifestyle. But, you know, I've also seen people who just do it kind of impulsively. (laughs) And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And so so I really like how you're explaining all of this this research that you did. 
So if you are talking to families who have a child that really wants a dog, is that something that you recommend that they do like to really put the time in in learning about the breed of dog that would be a good fit for their family? Absolutely, Erin, because I think there are two key points which families need to remember when they are planning to get a dog or a pet. Empathy and efforts. Empathy and efforts are extremely important and they it, it's an ongoing process. It's not like you just think about it before and you say, oh, I understand and everything. And you get the dog and then that's it. You know, it's over. No, it's 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 a process. It, it is always there. You have to take the efforts to build any relation. Empathy and efforts is a must, right, to keep it going. So it cannot be an impulsive decision, in my opinion. So doing your homework is a must. You must find out every detail, everything. Consider whether Consider your lifestyle, your time, and most importantly, patience. Because by the end of it, pets are like babies, babies who never grow. So it it does change your lifestyle, right? Babies do change. When babies come in our life, they do change our lifestyle. You have to have that patience, whether you, uh, you know, whatever is going on in your life, you have to develop that patience. So uh, you have to do that little bit of research, which breed is suitable for you, finance, because you need to have insurance. All these points when you consider, right? And then you ask yourself a question. Am I ready for this baby? It's so important. And if you say yes, then it's all the more important that you keep your promise and keep giving that empathy and efforts to make that relation work. So I think that's my advice, that uh, giving that little bit of time to think through and understand. Sometimes I do this, you know, if I'm confused and if I don't understand what to do next, if I'm not able to take the decision in any situation, I just stop there, I pause. I don't take the decision until I'm clear of what I'm supposed to be doing next. So I think it's important to think through and then take the decision and stick to it. Yeah. I think that's really great advice. <laughs> yeah. Now you have Leo. When you bring Leo home, were you immediately thinking, oh, this is a really special dog? I uh, no, not really, actually, because uh, it's just a cute little puppy, you know, running around, you know, walking with you everywhere in the house. So I didn't realize that. But as he started growing up, I realized he has a beautiful temperament because he was comfortable with anyone as long as they are friendly and he was comfortable with any dog. He never used to bark at people or other dogs or, you know, kind of get scared. I felt like he had this amazing balance in him, you know, which I liked. And uh, so, yeah, I just, uh, but definitely that therapy thought was not there at that point of time. As he started growing up later on, yes, I felt like he can be a great therapy dog, but not when he was a puppy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, what was it that made you decide to pursue therapy dog work? How did you learn about therapy dog work? 
So where, as I mentioned earlier, we were in the US for two years. That was in between in Austin. That was 2018 to 2020. And during that period, um, I started volunteering in this organization called the Dog Alliance. And uh, I thought, let me just go and uh, spend some time because I like dogs. And I thought, let me do this little bit of a kind of a voluntary job. I'll get to know people and make friends. And for all good reason, I started going there. And I came to know that they do train therapy dogs. That's when I thought, okay, let me try this out. So I asked them, I have a dog. Can I make him into a therapy dog? So they said, well, uh, we can definitely uh, see if he can become a therapy dog. So we will have to assess him first. And if his temperament is right, if it's perfect, then definitely we can go through the therapy training, which is of six weeks. I said, okay, let's give it a shot. So I took Leo and uh, they assessed him, the basic commands, mannerism and stuff like that, behavior and all. And they loved him. They said, he can become a great therapy dog. I said, that's great. So then we started the six weeks course and then we got assessed again and we passed and that's how we became a therapy. So what kind of things did they teach you and train you during the six-week course? So the way they teach you is, they, first of all, they teach you the body language of, of the dog, you know, how to read. Because by you are the master. You are the owner of your pet and you're taking your dog in different settings. So it's extremely important that you pay attention to your dog's body language, whether the dog is comfortable, he's not comfortable, uh, whether he's scared, he's anxious, he's tired, he's happy, uh, he's overexcited. All these things you need to understand. And that's the first thing they taught us, you know, how to read dogs body language. Oh my gosh. I, that is, I think, the most important thing for every pet parent to, yes. to learn. I wish that there was more discussion about that in the world. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I think many a times that there's a very uh, uh, simple reason for that, Erin. The reason is we humans are used to expressing uh, our emotions only with words. And so we don't have the patience to read someone's body language. We are like, okay, whatever it is, just express, say it, you know, uh, how you feel. And sadly, uh, that's not how it works with dogs. That's right. not how it works with pets, right? You have to have that patience. You have to read their body language because that's the only way they communicate with you. So I think it's it's the most important thing. So they taught us that and then... How, uh, you know, in different settings, the different sounds, uh, noise or uh, crowd, distractions, all these things, how a dog can get restless and how what you can do to help him, you know. Um, so all these things, yeah, they definitely taught us. And that made a, like, for example, hospital, right? If you go to a hospital, then wheelchair, Mm -hmm. crutch all these things you know you need to understand how uh, a dog should be able to take it so yeah they kind of trained us for that was there anything that he like struggled with or like was he you know like weird about wheelchairs or you know was there anything like that or was he just like 
bomb proof the whole way through <laughs> yeah no i think in that aspect uh we are really blessed to have leo because he did not uh, get uh you know kind of anxious about any such situation but having said that with regards to the training being a lab you know how it is foodie so <laughs> yeah so that took a little time to get him out of that because the one of the part of the training is even if there is food on the floor the dog shouldn't be taking it because sometimes it can be tablets it can be mm. pills it can be some sort of uh, medicine you know and that's not good for dogs so your dog should be able to just leave it right but yeah it just a couple of sessions and you know i think a week or so i consistently did the training uh, with him in the house as well and he was fine with it he doesn't pick up stuff now yeah oh <laughs> i was just thinking my my old gal penny she she would have failed that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's a, that's a little risky one you know like what's that okay let me try that out yeah so <laughs> so did you have any specific setting in mind to do therapy work like did you really want to work with you know hospitals or nursing homes or kids or did you have anything that was like your goal um initially it wasn't so much but later on i started getting clear in my head i wanted to work more with children because i feel that you know the gen- this generation is struggling quite a lot with their emotions with their stress levels and it's not good it's not good for their future so i just felt like if i can uh, if me and leo can do something in towards in that direction that would be great and so uh well we start we were anyway going to these elementary school over there in the us but after coming here now we go to secondary school you know where i see definitely a lot of children and uh, you know who hold a lot of stress in them with regards to their studies their future their career uh social aspect you know so yeah that's where we go and the second one we go is the psychiatric hospital where we go to the adolescent ward again okay so yeah definitely i think that's the direction i am more keen on moving forward Do you have any like favorite stories of visits that you've done as as a therapy dog team? Um there are many and the the wonderful thing is Erin that every time I go it's a new experience for me and you know the stories that uh, you know people share when they meet Leo it's beautiful whether it's nursing home whether it's um, a school and what I do is after coming home I have a separate book called therapy book and i write all my experiences in that book oh i love that yeah it it's beautiful but having said that there's one story about this girl whom i see regularly in secondary school initially she was scared of leo you know she was like she didn't even actually wanted to come in the room but you know her teacher knew that it would help her a lot and this is the thing right when it when a teacher believes in the child it makes such a big difference so she was not ready to come inside i said fair enough if she if you want to stand at the door and say hello to leo that's also fine you know so for first few sessions she used to just stand at the door and say hello and not 
talk much. Um, although with little bit of the little gist that I got is that her confidence level was low for whatever reason, and socializing skills because of that were also, you know, she was struggling in that. But uh, after a few sessions, she started coming inside. She used to sit a little far and not come close to Leo. And uh, she'll say, just from far, she'll say, hello, Leo. And I says, that's fine, not a problem. And Leo, as usual, used to wag his tail. And then slowly, slowly, she started getting closer and closer. Then as she got closer, I, uh, you know, kind of taught her how she can actually uh, groom Leo. You know, so I used to take that brush so that, you know, that will help her. So um, she got a little scared initially, but she started doing that, which was also great. And then one fine day, she's telling me, she comes, she comes regularly. And then one fine day, she's telling me, can I just take him for a walk in the room itself? And in my heart, I was jumping with joy. I said, this is beautiful. And she did took him in the room. I was right next to Leo. We went, but she was so comfortable in walking next to Leo and walking with him. I was very happy. And I think that was a great achievement. And in all this process, in all these weeks, I came to know that, you know, there was this lack of confidence and inferiority complex, but she overcame that. And I saw in her conversation also later on, Initially, it was more of why are they saying like that to me? And later on, it was almost like, well, they say it's their problem. It's not my problem. So it had shifted. The thought process had shifted. And that was a big, big change. And I loved it. So, yeah, I think it was a great achievement. Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, one of the things that I love about my experience with dogs, and it's part of why I was wanted to start a podcast, right? Is just that dogs have been so enriching in my life and have introduced me to people that I wouldn't have met otherwise, you know, people who like our lives never would have intersected if it wasn't for these dogs. And I mean, and sometimes it's people who become like my best friends and it's like, oh my God, what would my life have been like if I hadn't connected with them because of dogs? And so do you feel like this has been an enriching experience in your life Absolutely, absolutely. I think I definitely feel Leo is my best teacher. Definitely. And the one big thing that he has taught me is to remain still at times. Because, uh, you know, it's like difficult times, you can't stop them. You know, uh, rough times, they will be there, they will come. Uh, you know, every day is not a smooth day. But then the more you learn to be still and calm and relaxed, I think you will do fine. You'll be fine. And that's exactly what I learned from Leo. Because no matter what, you know, that calmness is there in him. That stillness is there in him. And I'm like, gosh, this is so much to learn. And I just keep watching. I just keep watching him. And he's like sitting there, relaxed, chill. And I'm like, Gosh, my mind, inside my mind, there's a monkey who is jumping, you know. And (laughs) so definitely, uh, you know, my life has changed after he has come. And the one big thing I've learned is how to remain still in (laughs) difficult times. You know, I have a story I like to share about my dog, Nino. And Nino is a very 
anxious and fearful and shy dog. Um, he is like the complete opposite of a Leo, right? And so, you know, most of our house has rugs or carpeting, except for, you know, obviously like the kitchen floor. And for whatever reason, Nino gets very weird about the kitchen floor. And he'll walk like halfway through the kitchen fine. And then he'll kind of get to this one point and then all of a sudden he's like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't get my footing. And he's like scrambling. Oh, poor thing. And sometimes he'll like freeze there and like get stuck and he'll like start walking out oh. backwards until he can like, you know, to get himself turned around. And I'll, I'll sit there and I'll be like, Nino, like <laughs> it's all it's all in your head, dude. Like it's all the same floor. Like just it's no big deal. And one day I'm like, how many times have I been Nino on the kitchen floor? How many times have I gotten myself all worked up and anxious and freaked out over something that was just not that big a deal that I just needed to take it one step at a time that I just needed to look right in front of me. And so that's like something I carry in my mind now is like, you know, Nino in the kitchen floor, like just take things one step at a time, you know? (laughs) So they really are just our greatest teachers sometimes. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have, you're right. The way you mentioned about Nino, my second one is like that, Bruno. Uh, he is one and a half, but when he was very young, you know, a few months old, um, he used to get scared to walk on the floor. And he's like, I'm not going forward. I'm not. And he used to perpetually slip. And I'm like, why are you slipping? Just relax and walk. Um, and even though Leo used to walk next to him, sort of helping him to walk properly, but he used to still get scared. But then interestingly, I don't know, suddenly it has reduced. So I think it's, you're right, it's about recreating that, uh, you know, issue in our head, which is actually not an issue. They do come out of it sometimes on their own. So, yeah. Yeah, they're just, it's really, really powerful sometimes how, like, looking at them, observing them, like, can get all the wheels turning in my mind, too, you know. (laughs) So... Do you think Leo enjoys doing this therapy dog work? Like, does he get really excited? Like, does he have like a vest or things that you put on and then he like gets excited? Absolutely. Absolutely. He so enjoys. He so enjoys. The minute I say, Leo, today's, today we have our therapy session. And he just keeps following me, wagging his tail. And he does have a vest. He has uh, a bandana. And uh, apart from that, he has his uh, therapy bag, which I call, you know, it has been there from day one. The zip is not working, but still I carry that because he, you know, that's how he relates to, you know, he's got those good thoughts. So I don't want to change the bag. Um, But yeah, we carry everything in his bag, you know, uh, a blanket, you know, water bottle, treats, you know, all those things. But he really enjoys. And it doesn't matter whether it's nursing home, whether it's hospital, whether it's school. He just loves it. So do you have any advice for pet parents who are thinking, oh, I think I would like to get involved in therapy dog work, either from like a dog perspective or from like something that they should know about themselves before getting into this type of, of activity? That's a great, great question. And the reason being, um, you know, the mental health issues have grown significantly due to pandemic and for whatever reason, the stress levels have gone very high. 
and the need for a therapy dog uh, in different settings has increased quite a lot and because of this it feels like there's some sort of a pressure that there need to be more therapy dogs right but i think it's important to understand that our pets are living being and they have their own personality they have their own behavior pattern behavioral pattern right their likes dislikes it's so important to understand these things give the time for them to grow and you know mold themselves up and that communication between you as a owner and uh, your pet that needs to be strong first because the your dog will be able to heal someone else only when he is in the right state of mind and for him to be in the right state of mind you need to be in the right state of mind you know during the uh, course when i was doing the therapy training the one thing that we were told is your emotions pass straight away through the leash so it's extremely important how you are you know um, how mentally composed you are and then that communication with your pet and for all this thing to happen you got to give your pet your dog time to grow you know and that understanding that patience that space and then yes do a thorough research of where your dog will be well suited whether it's nursing home uh, whether it's school because again not all dogs fit in all situations all settings right so all this takes a little bit of studying learning and then yes you can decide how you want to proceed and take the training of uh, you know making both of you becoming into a therapy team yeah i think that's really great insight yeah i'll make sure we have some links in the show notes to some of at least in the us some of the organizations that do therapy dog work and you know that where you can find out about assessments and things like that perfect so you mentioned covid and I was wondering, obviously, during COVID, you couldn't go out and visit schools. You can't go out and visit hospitals. How did that affect your therapy work? I think just before COVID, we moved from the US to UK, um, just like literally a week or two weeks. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a narrow escape. So we moved uh, back to the UK in March 2020. And wow. that's the time when it started. So obviously when we came back everything started closing so we couldn't do much anyways but having said that you know I'm still connected to the dog alliance and I was then as well so we started coming up with a plan is that let's start doing zoom sessions for children well it's not the same but something is better than nothing you know that's how we thought so we came up with this plan of doing zoom sessions 20 minutes reading sessions for children and children can book the slots with different therapy teams and whichever they want and uh, they can do the reading and apart from that we also did uh, we as you know owner of our pet as a therapy team we started reading on our own like a story book and uploading it on youtube oh yeah so you know children could see that as well 
So, uh, yeah, these are the small things we did. But apart from that, physically going anywhere was not possible. But I was happy, you know, at least we could do something. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do you still have people who you connect with over Zoom? Yeah, I think uh, there are kids uh, from the U.S. who book the reading session slot, 20-minute slot. And I, me and Leo, we do the reading session for them, uh, meaning they read. Uh, yeah, we are there, you know, and they, li- they love to see Leo. So that's the whole thing. So Leo sits in front of the camera happily <laughs> because he gets treats. Um, so, yeah, so we do that. We are still doing it. So how did you train him to you know, sit in front of the computer? Is it just doing treats? Because I'd imagine, you know, most dogs aren't happy to sit there for any length of time. They don't know what's going on, you know. <laughs> I know. Um, well, treats, yes, treats is one big thing. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, I think he's comfortable. If I tell him that, you know, just sit. And main thing is his uniform. The minute you put him that uniform, uh, you know, the pets therapy uniform, he loves it. It's almost like he is in that role, no matter whether he's in front of the screen or whether he's physically seeing someone, he just sits there. And uh, yeah, that kind of helps. That really helps. But yeah, like that's like his signal, like, oh, I'm in working mode now, right? Yeah. And so when you initially got approved, assessed to do therapy dog work, that was here in the U.S., and then you moved to the U.K. So do you have to, like, pass a new assessment in the U.K.? Is there differences? See, it's not a compulsion, but I did it because the reason is uh, through the organization, I came to know where the need was, you know, where... Uh, because the organizations, the hospitals or the schools who needed a therapy team, they used to register with these organizations. Okay. Which as an individually, like as an individually, I wouldn't know that. So it's only when I went through the organization, I we passed the test and then they started telling us, hey, near your place, these are the settings. They need a therapy team. And that's how we started going. So, yeah, we did uh, go through another assessment in the UK as well, which was slightly different from what we did in the US. But, yeah, we did go through that. What was different? So the US one was inside, like within the premises, inside a room, uh, you know, whereas the UK one was outside in the park where there are a lot of distractions. People and other dogs were there. And uh, so other dog can comfortably run and come and say hello to your dog. But all those distractions, how your dog still behaves, you know, those kind of things. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so when was it that you decided you were going to start writing children's books about Leo? Ah, so this was again during pandemic. So during pandemic, uh, as you know, there was this puppy boom that had started, right? People realized they had a lot of time in hand. So they started getting puppies. And uh, eventually they realized that, no, it's a big responsibility. We don't have the patience or finance was not planned. The homework was not done, very simply put. And due to which they started giving up their pets. And the rescue centers were getting full. And many of them were actually leaving their pets on the street side or tying up 
uh, or leaving them in the park, tying to a tree and stuff like that. There were many horrific stories that were coming up. And definitely that was heartbreaking for me because, uh, you know, it's sad knowing that that puppy's alone over there. He's scared. He loves you. He's, you know, he wants to be with you, but he can't see you. He, you, he doesn't know where you are. He's all alone over there. So that was kind of a little scary thing. And uh, that's when I decided that, you know, I'll turn Leo into a character. And through this character, I'll kind of um, show how our pets feel, you know, express their emotions, how our pets connect with us. So, yeah, that, it was during the pandemic that I took this call of turning him into a character. <laughs> I love that. The, the drawings in the book are really beautiful. Thank um, you. Did you know somebody who did that or how did you connect with the illustrator? We had to do a lot of research because I myself being an artist, I, as my husband says, you're very picky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we kind of spoke to quite a few illustrators and this took quite a lot of time. Uh, but I wasn't happy completely uh, with many of them. And when I spoke to Novel and I saw his illustration, I loved it. And it kind of, uh, you know, that, that's exactly what I wanted. The kind of illustration he did, that's the kind of uh, ima imagination I had. So I thought, okay, let's go for this. And uh, so we spoke and then, you know, I told him how Leo is. I shared the picture and everything. So, yeah, that's how we started the journey. So did he ever get to meet Leo or has it all been done like through photo and video? Oh, it's all done mean, through photo. I wish he could meet Leo, but uh, no, I think it was all just photos. Oh, wow. Because yeah. it, it's, really, it's really beautiful. I was just like, Wondering if you really felt like it captured Leo. Yeah, no, he did. That's what I said. So he, I liked his style. And that's exactly what I had in mind about little Leo. Because all those emotions I wanted to see in the eyes of the character. And that's exactly what he gave me. So I'm happy about it. So, <laughs> Wonderful. <yeah. laughs> so I, I was able to read a couple of the books. And I had to ask... <laughs> Like how much of what's in the book is autobiographical? Like have any of these situations like actually happened? And I'm really curious about the bird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's, I love this, uh, what you've asked. And, uh, you know, to be honest, it is true with the bird. We had a bird called Lucky when we were in Austin. And uh, it was a small pigeon. Uh, who was trying to fly probably somewhere near the uh, near our garden there was a tree and you know the nest was there and it was trying to fly it came and hit our window and it fell I know oh. and I just heard a sound so I kind of went out and I saw a poor little thing it was very small and it was lying over there so we picked the pigeon we got him home and uh, you know we kind of helped him heal and in those few days, he was with us, right? So we used to kind of introduce Leo to him, holding him in our hand. So Leo used to like, what is this? What is this wagging his tail? So, and we kept his name as Lucky. Aww. So, yeah. So Lucky actually was there in our life, you know. And, oh, I love uh, that. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. I still have pictures where Leo is like trying to sniff him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 
it was sweet. It was very sweet. <laughs> so, uh, like, are there any other things from the books that are from your life that you're putting in? Or are you going into it like, oh, I have this, like, lesson in mind and I'm going to just create the book around that? I'm just always curious of how authors come up with these things. No, I think part of the story is true. Uh, part of it is fiction. Part of it is nonfiction. So... As I mentioned earlier, how we went and we saw Leo, you know, and how we picked him up and stuff like that. So the first story about the entire process of he choosing us, rather, you know, that is pretty much as it is. So rest, I have started building the characters so that, you know, the more characters you are, the more new characters uh, I introduce, children learn through that. So how uh, our pets communicate with different kind of how uh, people, right? So for me, those characters, different characters are different type of people. How will they communicate? Are they scared? Are they ready to become friends? So that kind of a thing, yeah. <laughs> and so I don't have children, so I'm terrible at knowing what ages things are for. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your goal? Like, what is your target age range that you're writing the books for? So this is, uh, I'm targeting between four to eight. Okay. The age group is four to eight. And the reason being uh, that this is an age when children are exploring their own emotions. They're trying to understand their own emotions. At the same time, they are trying to understand emotions of people around them whether it's their parents, whether it's their siblings, whether it's their pets. So, and this is a time when you can teach them through reading stories, short videos, right, through characters, and they learn very quickly. So I feel the earlier the better. The more they learn to empathize with themselves and with others, they'll grow up to become... Uh, responsible and empathetic adults and and hopefully like dog savvy with like the body language and things like that yes absolutely absolutely and so do you have like a whole line of stories already plotted out that you are working on not really I mean I I, I go step by step so it's not like everything is jot down in my head that's not how it goes I kind of uh, think through because there are many things to think through so um, that's one. And second of all, now I'm working on releasing these books in different languages because I want these books to be accessible to children everywhere okay. rather than the books being only available in English. You know, So I'm exploring that option now and I'm working in that direction. As of now. Okay, I I love that because you know it's not not something I've ever heard mentioned before, and and you're right that that's a really important yeah. point. <laughs> Recently, someone asked me that uh, uh, you know is your book in different language? Um, I says I'm working on that. Not yet. She said I have two rescue dogs which I got from Romania, and uh, uh, what I saw was that children over there, you know, they need to know and learn how to communicate with pets. And so I wanted to know if your book is available in different language. Mm -hmm. So I was happy to know that. And then I realized that I'm working in the right direction. So, yeah, that's the reason I want to make it available in different languages. 
That's a really striking point to me, you know, and because <laughs> I always hate feeling right like the ugly American who <laughs> like obviously not everybody's speaking English and and almost it's almost more important to have these available in yeah. other languages, right? Because yeah. there's not as many options and not as many messages like this being spread. Yeah, yeah that's really important and and I I think that that's you know, I feel like amazing is not a strong enough word to to describe like how, how important that work is that you're doing. Yeah, because I think, see, if I keep releasing the book in English, fair enough, children who can read English, that's fine. They will be able to. But what about the children who cannot? Yeah, We are not making the books accessible for them. It's kind of, we are teaching, I'm trying to teach life skills through these books and why they should not be available for them. That doesn't make sense to me. So I think right now the priority is to release in different languages for me. All right. 100% agree. That, that's that's Thank a you. really important point. So I, I've seen that you've been getting some, some recognitions and winning some awards and getting to do some different things with different conferences for children and, and for people who work like with autism. So how has that all come about? Is there something that you're like really excited and proud that you've been able to, to do through the books? I am, to be honest. And uh, well, uh, I will not take the entire credit because all this would have not been possible without Leo, the superhero of our story, and his, co- uh, you know, his energy, his cooperation, and him. Apart from that, I think, of course, my family has supported me big time. Um, especially my husband, he has been there. You know, he's like, just go for it, go for it. So uh, definitely all this has come beautifully together and I'm really happy about it. And the, the biggest thing is winning the SBS award, uh, which is the Theo Pafitas award. If you know, Theo is one of the renowned British entrepreneur and uh, you know, a pet enthusiast. So it's great to receive that award from him. It just shows that uh, we are working in the right direction. You know, um, it's nice. It's really nice. And uh, the more the message spreads, the more better it is. That's how I look at it. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, you know, I have this sort of running joke with my husband because it was all his idea to get our first dog Lucy like in fact he had been like envisioning a dog like Lucy in his head for like 10 years wow and he could never have a dog you know lived in apartments you know all these different things and so when we bought our house he's immediately like we have to get a dog and it has to be a female brindle pit bull And so I'm like, oh, that's super specific. We'll never find that. (laughs) And I I go on the website for our local Humane Society. And right there on the front page was a female brindle pit bull. And so that's my Lucy. And Lucy is the logo of the Believe in Dog podcast because she came along and she was always Tim's dog. Like she was Tim's girl, but it changed my whole life, right? Like it just made me fall in love with dogs, just introduced this whole other world to me. And so he always has this running joke. Like I was right. (laughs) that like (laughs) I need to listen to him because I was right. You know, the dog thing, you know. So I was just curious, is your son ever like, hey, mom, I was right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, he keeps saying that. You know, I picked Leo. That's what he keeps saying all the time. And then he will also add, he came and slept on my lap, you know, not on your lap. <laughs> he keeps saying that. I says, well, I completely understand that. And the credit goes to you, my dear. Um, so, yeah, definitely, as you said, he does say that. And he still says that. He's 25, but he still says that. <laughs> so. And so does he have dogs of his own or do you think he will in the future? He will. He will 100%. In fact, he is um, he uh, he's studying in the U.S., but he did work in, uh, he did voluntary work in in uh pet organization so he is extremely keen and he will definitely get i i know for sure um but i don't know which breed or what i just keep telling him again the way we thought through then the same process needs to be here you need to understand the commitment that is needed here so don't bring out of desperation you know that you're missing leo so you want to get one no you have to make sure that you are settled and, uh, you know, financially, time-wise, you know, all those commitments are in place and then you get one. So, yeah, my lecturing keeps going on. And like, yes, <laughs> mom, I know that. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, it's been so wonderful to get to talk to you and, and hear your story. So I'll make sure we have links in the show notes and where can everybody find you and get the books and follow along with you and Leo's adventures? Sure. So the books are available on my website, which is littleleo.co.uk. Apart from that, they are available on Amazon as well. US, UK, India, Australia, you know, different countries. And uh, apart from that, uh, you know, uh, people are welcome to connect with us. Uh, they'll see lots of Leo's pictures as well on Instagram, which is we chose Leo. <laughs> yeah, so that's the Instagram handle for uh, Leo. And uh, I'm there on LinkedIn. All my social media platforms are there. So yeah, definitely they can connect with me. Wonderful. I'll make sure we have links to everything. Parnina, it's been such a joy to get to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Erin, for inviting me on this wonderful show. I truly appreciate it. And uh, it's been beautiful speaking with you. And yeah, thanks. Oh my goodness, I'm so grateful to Parnita for her time and for sharing her story and Leah's story with us. You know, it was such a poignant moment to me to think about the fact that it's really important for children all around the world of all different languages to have access to books, particularly books sharing this humane education, kindness to animals type of message. It's so special to me to have opportunities like this to connect with people from all over the world and talk to people that lived in countries where animals were treated very differently and to really understand what that looks like. Granted, <laughs> there's some places in the U.S., like we talked about with Kara Achterberg a few episodes ago, where animals are treated very differently here in the U.S. too. But I think it's just such an amazingly cool, powerful awesome reminder of 
how animals can bring us all together. You know, my life has looked very differently. I've pretty much lived in the same like 20 mile radius my entire life. And yet it's through the power of the love of animals that Parnita and I can connect from different parts of the world and realize how much we have in common. And that's been such a beautiful experience in doing the Believe in Dog podcast over these past almost four years now. So I always thank you for listening and being a part of that too. One thing that Parnita touched on that I want to make sure I have some additional resources for you was the importance of learning your dog's body language. I have probably talked about this in, I don't know, a third (laughs) of the episodes that I've done so far, but my goodness, it's so incredibly important for all of us pet parents to learn our dog's body language, to learn what they're trying to tell us, because they're communicating with us all the time, and it's up to us to pick up on it. And they're so smart, they pick up on our stuff. It's up to us to pick up on what they're trying to tell us too. So I have two books that I always love referring to. The first one is put together by a European dog trainer, and it's called On Talking Terms with Dogs, Calming Signals, and it's by Torid Rugas. And then the second book is more of an illustrated version called Doggy Language by the artist Lily Chin. So make sure you check the links in the show notes for those books. So that'll do it for this episode of the Believe in Dog podcast. If you like this episode, remember that you can always leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's pretty much the biggest compliment that you can give a podcaster. You can always find me at Believe in Dog Podcast on Facebook or at Erin the Dog Mom on Instagram. So until next time, this is Erin Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs. Believe in Dog Podcast is a production of Hugs and Belly Rubs, LLC.